Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Good evening from Los Angeles. A beautiful day here. It was 93 or 94 when I went up the street to get a coffee. Fantastic. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the program where we help entrepreneurs become more successful. We discuss your issues and we comment about some of the things that are going on in the world and things that you can do to help improve your business environment. But I wanted to start by mentioning a an unbelievably motivating and inspirational video that you can catch on YouTube. It's called Kane's Arcade. That's C-A-I-N-E-S, Kane's Arcade. Um, Kane's a nine-year-old, and he's um, in East L.A., which isn't the most luxurious of areas. And this little kid built a full cardboard arcade, like dozens of games that worked. But they worked because if you threw a ball through a particular slot, he would scamper underneath, retrieve the balls, give you your prizes, and he built this thing. It's it's like the size of a lounge room, and he made it out of cardboard boxes. He designed all the games himself. He's got security systems. He's got displays for prizes, even hand-labeled paper lunch gift bags. And it took him months to build this intricate arcade out of cardboard boxes. A guy named Neil Shah came along, and this kid was sitting at the weekends outside this arcade that was built in his outside his father's warehouse. And he sat there every Saturday and every Sunday, week in and week out. No passing traffic, so nobody came in. But he sat there diligently wanting somebody to come in and he charged a dollar if you came in twice and you could have for two dollars you could have 500 plays so this guy neil shah walked past decided that he'd pay the kid two dollars kane for plays and he went in he was so blown away by this that he created a website anyway needless to say almost immediately Literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have come to Kane's Arcade to play. It has become a real tourist attraction. It's fantastic. This kid's nine, and he's built this all himself with fantastic imagination and initiative. And um, if you go onto the web and look at it, and it's raising money for a scholarship fund for Kane. The last time I looked, it had been up for a couple of days, and they'd raised $200,000 for this kid's education. It is an extraordinary story. You can't help watching it without being absolutely moved. It is, it, it's amazing. So I ask you to go on to Kane's Arcade, C-A-I-N-E-S, if you need some inspiration, and have a look at what this amazing little kid has done. It is really quite fantastic it brings a tear to your eye i sat there and i watched it and i was a mess and i deal with people who do inspirational things all the time so that's a good great positive way to open the program now 
there's no question that the U.S. economy is picking up, productivity is increasing, unemployment's in falling. All of that's great news. But it's also true this is happening against a backdrop of increasing financial burdens and regulations from both state and federal government. This country's also so polarised that nothing's getting done. Instead of all Americans working as a team and believing in the future good and negotiating and coming up with best solutions, we're decisive and we're bickering while our competitors in Asia and elsewhere, South America, are growing at 5 to 10% a year while we splutter along. You know, we can all live with the dream that we're the lucky country, that we're the most free, that we do capital the best, but that's becoming a dream. I've been living in the US for 25 years, and I absolutely love it here. I love the people, I love the diversity, I love the attractions, I love the way of life, I love the variety of sports and entertainment. I love it here. So don't ring me, don't email me and say, if you don't like it, go back to where you came from, because that's the standard response from most Americans. We have to have a good, hard look at what we're doing. You know, we're comparing how free this country is and and how tragic that... um, um, socialised, so-called socialised medicine is. You know, well, I'd agree that in in Australia, where I'm originally from, we're equally as free, if not more so. The tax is pretty similar, but education, health care, dental care, all of that is free, totally free. Education, all health care, no matter who you are, and dental care are free and available to all citizens. There's nothing socialist about that. I mean, that's just bloody nonsense. It is ridiculous to say the least. It is good, decent respect for fellow citizens. So don't get carried away with this bullshit about it being socialism. And the cost of providing education and health care, despite it being free, is about a third of the cost that it is here in the United States. So, you know, it's also true that America spends six times more than any other country on earth on the military. Six times more than any other country on the earth. We've got 4% of the world's population. I mean, it's ridiculous. A fraction of that money would pay for education and health for everybody. It would give money for entrepreneurs to be able to develop their businesses, to become another Facebook and employ directly and indirectly $540,000 instead of letting them wither on the vine and bicker about why the top 1% is not paying any bloody tax. I mean, we should be looking after fellow citizens and, you know, changing our attitude for Christ's sake. You know, there's been a debate raging over the past few months about who's the better capitalist, China or the US. Now, before we get all nationalistic and people start having a go at me and telling me that, you know, I'm being non-patriotic or something. Firstly, during the global financial crisis, China's stimulus package was much, much, much bigger than ours. But it was much more effective and it was targeted at providing the infrastructure for the future. Secondly, China's economy is growing at 8%, 9%, 10%. 
and they've lifted twice the US population, nearly 600 million people, out of poverty in 30 years. Well, our economy splutters along and employs 120,000 a month. Thirdly, China has created the world's largest middle class, which drives domestic consumer growth. Well, we allow the top 1% to get richer, destroy the middle class, let the poor get poorer, and constantly reduce the opportunities for people to be successful. And make no mistake, income inequality in the US is among the worst in the world and getting worse. So while China's pulling their people out of poverty, we're forcing more people into poverty. We have over 45 million people in poverty. That's the highest level since the middle of last century. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Instead of fighting, we should be working together. The reality is that the US needs a paradigm shift, not just tinkering around the edges, making complex laws even more complex, coming up with 2,700-page bills. We need to revise not only our laws and our administration, we need to radically change the negative view that so many people in this country have. We need a new positive attitude. We need more entrepreneurs. We can do it. We can be the most creative people in the world, but we have to encourage people. And to do that, we need more support from businesses as well as from government. The top 1% should pay more taxes. No question. But a percentage of that money should go to supporting entrepreneurs, helping to build more Googles, more Facebooks, more Apples. We should be advancing alternative energy. We should be creating wealth and jobs. You know, in the Financial Times just a couple of months ago, they made the observation that China's system allows them to adapt quickly, make difficult decisions and implement them effectively, while our system encourages throwing mud and being negative. I can see absolutely no effort by either the Democrats or the Republicans to address our massive financial challenges including the $1 trillion, $1 trillion, that's more noughts than I know what to do with, plus that we have borrowed from China. China's system doesn't give corporations the power to shape government at the expense of benefits for all. Here in the US, corporations have the right to spend whatever it takes to ensure that they let candidates that will support laws that enable them to run roughshod over public good. For example, to run massive false campaigns against a national health system, for example, that the same companies strongly support in Australia. All of the health companies that are campaigning against National health in this country, all campaign for it in Australia. Exactly the same companies. So it's just hogwash. And all this false information about, you know, if, if you've got a national, uh, nationalistic economy, you've got to wait two years for a hip transplant. You have to wait three years for this and two years. That is all a bunch of crap that is foisted on us by the drug companies. Don't believe it. It is simply totally untrue. Now, I speak to many people who say that China, for example, are simply copiers. 
that they steal products and ideas, that the US is still the hotbed for innovation. You know, that was true 20 years ago, maybe still marginally true. But there's been a massive growth in the number of patents originating in China and other Asian countries. They are becoming more and more creative and more and more entrepreneurial. China's also investing in infrastructure to support innovation, where we're not. And taxes are an area where there's significant difference. Taxes are so much lower in China, where the government lets you keep a lot more of what you earn. The US government takes much more of your money, and they spend considerably less on infrastructure and considerably less on building a platform for entrepreneurial businesses to flourish. It's interesting that China has no capital gains tax. China has no property tax. China has no local or state taxes. They have a 35% rate on the highest income earners with no loopholes, like the Buffett rule. And corporate tax is zero for three years to enable you to get established, and then 15% thereafter. Why aren't we looking at these sorts of structures? And China's got a high-speed train system being developed, building thousands of miles of high-speed, 300-mile-an-hour track every day. We've been talking about the rail line between Los Angeles and Las Vegas for as long as I can remember. China's built 50 new world-class airports in five years. China builds a city the size of San Diego every three days. What do we do? fight. If you haven't been there, get on a plane, go to Beijing, go to Shanghai. It is extraordinary. These are modern, exciting, dynamic cities where the public are encouraged to be entrepreneurs. And we need to sit there, look at the current acrimony in Washington, D.C., and say, we are as mad as hell and we are bloody not going to take this crap anymore. Even without the government obstacles, it's damn hard to be successful in business, no matter how good your product or service is. It's still only 10% of the battle for success. So we need to change. Now, phew. <laughs> um, like, I want to talk to you after the break. I'm going to talk about um, after the interviews. We've got two great interviews for you today. But after the interviews, I want to talk to you about Another political thing before I answer an email, I want to talk to you. I've just finished, as you probably know, I'm a speaker, and I just recently finished um, giving 10 presentations in Iran. Now, uh, I've given over 1,500 presentations altogether in 53 countries, and I've been to Iran several times, but I thought you might be interested in hearing about my recent trip and the 10 um, speeches that I gave. So I'll be back with my first guest after this short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. 
Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Straight talking, tell it like it is. No bullshit business advice. Today, we're talking about the importance of added value. And I am really fortunate to have with me, all the way from Ohio, Diane Helbig, the president of Seize This Day Coaching, who is an expert in the subject of added value, amongst a lot of other things. She's an author, a speaker, and a business coach. Hi, Diane. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bob. Thanks so much for having me on. What does added value really mean to you? Wow, you know, I think to me it means um, providing service above and beyond what your client thinks they're buying from you. Why is why is added value so important? I mean, why why is it necessary to add value? You know, um, especially I think it's valuable all the time, but especially today when things are so highly competitive, you have to be able to differentiate yourself and your business and step beyond the noise. And one of the ways that you do that is by providing added value to your clients so they really feel like if they were to leave you, there's things that they wouldn't be getting, things they don't really feel like they're paying for. Right. No, I agree with that. I think, it, I think it's critical too. So if, you, if you've got a business, how do you decide what added value they can provide to their customer? Because there's a lot of different types of added value, isn't there? Yeah, there really is, and, and I think there's a couple of aspects of that. I think one of the things is that it has to be something that um, it makes sense, and what I mean by that is it has to be something that's like that complements the product or service. So, for example, free shipping would be an added value because now there's something that you don't have to pay for, but if you were offering a service, that makes no sense. So right. it should be something that is um, congruous to what it is that you're offering and something that is uh, relatively easy for you to give. So it's not going to consume a whole lot of uh, time or effort on your part to be able to tack it on. And because so few people do it, it doesn't have to be expensive, does it? No, no, no. And as a matter of fact, it shouldn't be. It really should be the kind of thing that isn't really going to impact you that dramatically by offering it. Yeah, it's, it, the um, free shipping thing is really interesting because I was reading some figures that said that um, 
people will buy something for thirty nine ninety five plus three free shipping, um, in preference to something that's thirty four ninety five plus shipping. So that free wow. shipping really is a hook. It's a big hook. I know, it's it's weird, but it, it just happens to be true. Um, right. So if you're if you've got um, uh, where do you start looking at what what you want to add? You know, I mean, how important is it to add a product as against perhaps adding um, information or a monthly newsletter or tips on how to do something? Which of those is the most valuable to to a client? Oh, that's so interesting. And, you know, I think it depends on the client base. I think you have to really understand your clients and what they need and what they seek. I mean, I love the idea of adding information, you know, valuable information like, you know, a member site where they sort of get like this exclusive membership where there's information that the general public isn't getting. It makes them feel like they're valued, you know, above and beyond just what you're doing for them uh, because you're – really giving them things that matter to them. So for me, I say you always start with your clients, who are they, and what matters to them, because that's how you're going to get the biggest bang from it. What stops a client from just taking it for granted? How do you make sure that they realize that um, this is something over and above above what um, they perhaps expect? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think... One of the things that I think business owners don't do enough of is staying in communication with their clients. So they start making assumptions about their clients, and their clients start making assumptions about them. So I, I think that the way that you make sure that they're not taking advantage of, of you or you know the, the extras that you're bringing to them is um, that you're in communication with them and you're really clear, that there, you know, there's real clarity about what it is you bring to the table, what you're selling to them, as opposed to just everything that you're giving them, because it can get really cloudy, and then they, the client will think that all of it is what they're paying for, when in reality it's not. You know, you really are giving them something extra. So I, I think it goes back to really making sure that you're really engaging in a relationship with your clients. I think it hit the nail right on the head. I think nowhere near enough companies have an ongoing, continuous dialogue with their with their clients, and um, you miss so much information. And then when they make a change, if you're not in close contact, you don't realise it's going to happen, and you get caught flat-footed. And uh, it's so true. You yeah. can really lose. What percentage of businesses, um, Diane, do you think have an excellent added value policy? Oh, so interesting question, and I'm going to key into the word excellent and say that I think it's tremendously low. Like, I would think it's like 12%. I think it's an extremely low number. I'm sure you think it's value. I'm surprised you think it's that high. I'm not sure that it's that high. It may not be. 12 is still a lousy number, isn't it? It is. When it can be so much benefit to your company, 12%. Exactly. That's exactly right. Right. Do you think, um, with small businesses in particular, do you think this is because small business owners are more entrepreneurial than they are marketing savvy? Wow, that's that's interesting. I would almost think it's because they're more technicians than yeah. marketing savvy. I, I so I think you know when I think about all the business owners I know, the entrepreneurial ones are the ones who seem to 
understand about giving, you know, who understand yeah. that when you give, you get. It's the ones who are real technicians that, that they're the ones who think that if they give, they're going to be taken advantage of. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, 95% of all small businesses fail within 10 wow. years. And uh, I always attribute that to the fact that just not enough people know the basic fundamentals of marketing because marketing is really pretty simple. Um, it doesn't have to be yeah. convoluted and complicated. Right. I agree with you completely. And they don't, They for some reason, they don't think they need to do it. It's, it's a really weird mindset. And it, uh, it, it's, they're going to fail because of it. I mean, I, I agree completely. I think they don't know how to market. They don't know how to sell. Yeah. They just don't understand that they should be doing those things and learning how to do them effectively. And everything's so commoditized these days that unless you differentiate yourself very powerfully, you right. you won't succeed. Um, yeah. I find that many companies, you know, they think that they're giving their customers fantastic service, and yet when I actually go out and speak to their clients... The clients often think that the service is, you know, just okay. Or I've even had people who say, "Yeah, my customer service is fantastic." And when you go out and speak to the um, to their clients, their clients say their service sucks. You know. <laughs> so, how does this disconnect occur between um, what often a, 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 a company is giving their customers and what they think and what the customers perceive to be? really good value uh boy you know i think there's two things going on there i think one is what we were talking about before where they're not really communicating with their customers so they aren't really finding out but the other part is it has to do with um expectation I, i think a lot of small business owners convince themselves that they're going above and beyond and they're really giving excellent customer service because they don't necessarily want to take the step back and look with with a real critical eye at what it is they really deliver. You know, what do they really give? Um, what How much of that is being paid for? In other words, how much of that does the client know they're getting or has an expectation to get? And then how much of it is above that, if any? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Could it, how much of this is because perhaps the added value is not directly related to the business, therefore... While the um, company thinks that it's giving added value, it's not of benefit to the client, and therefore they don't appreciate it. Yeah, probably a great deal. I think that's a really good point. And and once again, that's a matter of a business owner deciding what they're going to give as added value without really engaging their clients and their prospects to find out what's of value to them. You know, it's so funny. Value is really... um, subjective, right? It depends on what I think is valuable. Now, you may offer me something that you think is going to be valuable because it doesn't cost you a lot and it's yeah. easy for you to give, but if I don't see value in it, it, it it's, you know, dead. Yeah. It has no impact. That's not going to do any benefit. So right. what, what are the dangers to look out for? Are there any dangers in, in providing added value? Is there anything that can bite you in the butt? Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a couple of things. I think one is what we've been talking about, that if you're offering added value that really isn't a value to your client base, it's dangerous uh, because it really speaks to the idea that you're not connected with them and, you know, someone else is going to come along who is connected with them and they're going to leave. Yep. Um, and the other thing is, 
you have to be careful about offering something that um, is costly to you if you're not really going to get the benefit from it. You know, it's all about ROI in, in that case, and it could sure. be that it's an expensive time, you know, sucker, or uh, for just from an expense standpoint, it's something that you really can't sustain because once you start offering it, you have to keep offering it. Yeah. If not, expand on it, right? So you, you have to do the math ahead of time. you got to really think about it before you launch. What um, should you... We're, we're running out of time. We're running down to the, the end of our time. But um, should you constantly change the added value that you that you give to reinforce the fact that it is added value? I don't think so. Um, and maybe the word constant that, that I'm sitting on. But I, I, I think the problem when you change things a lot is that then your clients can't land on who you are and what they think you're always seeking that magic bullet. Sure. And so, I, you know, I think you find something and you keep doing it. And while you're in constant communication with your clients, if you discover something that you hadn't thought of before or you realize that, that the value of whatever you're offering has, has diminished, then you change. And it also gives you something to, to reach out and talk to your clients about. So it can have a double value, you know, yep, and, and that, have a double benefit. That's really important. Well, Diane, thank you very much for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. And if you'd like to talk to Diane about added value or any other aspect of your business, you can contact, contact her at diane at seizethisdaycoaching.com or go to her website at www.seizethisdaycoaching.com. Thank you. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. 
I love inspiring stories. So I was really pleased to catch up with Lyndon Harris a little while ago at the airport in Amsterdam. Lyndon worked with me in Australia 25 years ago and then 18 years ago arrived in New York without any contacts, without real market knowledge of the United States or a dollar in his pocket. Now his business, Sudden Impact Entertainment, is a global force and Lyndon is a multi-millionaire. Lyndon, it's great to speak to you. Ah, g'day, Bob. How you doing, mate? Great, uh, great to talk to you. Going, going, everything's going very well. So, going back to when you first arrived in New York with nothing, and um, you moved into Spanish Harlem. So, how did you get from nothing to where you are today? Well, the first, the first thing, uh, Bob, was a uh, was a clear uh, vision. You know, I left Australia. I left a career, a very successful career. I uh, left the balcony at Bondi and uh, arrived in New York and had a very singularly focused idea to put a, a Halloween show on in New York. And it was that idea that I thought, you know, being the confident person I am, I'd have it up in six months. And, of course, it took two and a half years. But it was still that one singular idea and passion for that idea that got me there. And, and then we opened at Madison Square Garden in October 96. And the rest is history, as they say. It always takes twice as long and costs twice as much and twice as hard as what you ever expect, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. But, you know, I, you know, how could I possibly ever replace, you know, standing out front of Madison Square Garden in New York with my mom and, uh, you know, name on the marquee and, uh, you know, just all those things. Money's irrelevant, frankly, you know, other than the experiences of what you do. And uh, you're right, but, uh, wow, what a, what a feeling. One of the problems that I mentioned earlier in the program is that 89% of business owners and managers in the United States don't do any additional learning after they leave college. They don't listen to CDs, they don't read books, or even go to seminars. What did you do to improve your knowledge from when you landed here with the relatively limited knowledge, I guess, you get in Australia, to, um, to where you are today with your vast repertoire of of um, ammunition? Well, one of the key things was I made a defining decision was that, you know, I moved to America, so I thought one of the key things you had to do was trying to figure out how to become an American, not literally, but um, which I ultimately did, but um, was to say, hey, let me tell you the great things about being Australian, Australian and the great things about being American. And part of that was, uh, you know, since I failed high school, was to look around for something. And I saw in Forbes, the Harvard OPM program, which was the owner-president management program, which, incidentally, Tyra Banks uh, just announced that she's now doing, and Marissa's got success all around, and she's doing it. Um, and I didn't qualify to get in, so I wrote um, a proposal like you taught me how to write 25 <laughs> years ago to say, why should I, this is why I should be allowed to, you know, do it. I've come to this country. I've come to this country to do business. I've signed a deal with Madison Square Garden in New York City. I want to learn how to do business in America and do it well. And so uh, I did that for three years. And uh, uh, not only did I do the course, I became a Harvard case study. And what I did became a case study. And my peers asked me to be the commencement speaker of our class. So the, the sharing of that knowledge with peers and learning and being a sponge is really critical, I think, to any of our success. From then to, until now... Are you still undertaking um, any form of any form of learning? 
Yeah, not formal study other than that I like to, like, uh, a great example is the project we've just signed to do, which is an ice show. I've been ice skating twice in my life. <laughs> we've just signed a multi-million dollar deal to do a world tour of Ice Age, um, you know, because I thought it was a good idea. So, therefore, it's the strength of the idea in that case, and I've just been, you know, in Amsterdam here and uh, was at a rehearsal last night for a different show, and I'm going to myself all through that process last last night. In fact, I'm going. You know what? It's actually not about ice skating. It's about the ice. It's about the idea. It's entertainment. I know entertainment, so therefore I can learn ice skating or its application in this form. So, um, you know, that was a great example of what you just said. Yeah. What are the practical things that a, a small business, and you're a big business now, but you've been through the small business phase. And most small businesses in the United States are finding it pretty hard right now. It's very tough out there. So what are the practical things that a, a small business guy can wake up in the morning and say, I can implement this today and start turning things around? Well, I think it's got to start with your attitude. You know, First and foremost, you've got to wake up and say, am I doing what I love? And if you can say yes with that question, well, then you're off to a good start. Then practically, I think, one, you've got to do a great job for every job you're doing. And one of the philosophies that I've always lived by was that if you're getting paid a dollar or you're getting paid a million dollars, don't let that dictate the quality of your work. Uh, and no one knows the contract, you know, a financial contract. But in our case, we have a contract with the audience. And I say to our cast and our staff, I say, listen, if a kid's raised his 10 bucks pocket money for a, or five bucks in Mexico City is, you know, 50 pesos and he's doing something, you've got a contract with that client to do a great job. If you've got a million bucks or five million bucks to do something, you've got to do a great job shouldn't be dictated by money. It should be dictated by your attitude. And I think that's a, a really practical uh, lesson to say, do a great job every job. One of the most important things that um, I learnt um, quite a few years ago now from a study that was done at Harvard, they said that 80% of your business, if you're in a successful company, comes from repeat business and... Um, word of mouth, referrals. So I say to, to small businesses or even big businesses, if you keep delivering more than what you promised, then the word of mouth grows and people will will follow you, come to your store or, or whatever it is. In your business, that would be critical, wouldn't it? So people would say, I went and saw um, Lara Croft and it was fantastic these are the same people they're doing the Ice Age show so I know that I can trust them to deliver me fantastic entertainment is that yeah yeah that works on, on, on maybe three or four layers one on a business to business layer we used to do a bunch of projects for the Madame Tussauds group we did ten projects there's not one company or client that we've been with that we've never done a multiple of uh, projects then you've obviously, as you say, you've got the audience uh, and they, they get to an expectation. So if we're at a theme park, for example, with one of our tours, um, the theme park uh, or the clientele of that theme park know, hey, it's the guys that did Lara Croft. They've got the mummy coming or they've got prison break or whatever. Now, funnily enough, I was uh, in Amsterdam, obviously, where I am and uh, was at the show last night. The rehearsal, one of the actors came up to me and said, I worked for you. And I looked at him and I said, did you really? I said, where? He said, Las Vegas. 
and he did a show for us in Vegas, and uh, and now he's doing a world tour, and I thought that was so awesome, and uh, and he was so proud of this little show we did in Vegas, um, and I think so. Therefore, we have a contract in that case also with the actor, so that they want to you know speak highly of you to other actors and be a great place to work. So I think all the way down the line, that contract is really important. You mentioned a minute ago that um, you've just raised $5 million, and it's a pretty tough market out there. It's, um, I have companies come to me constantly saying, you know, I've been out there beating the bushes and just cannot raise the money that I need to expand my business. So for businesses that are listening to this show that um, may need capital, what tips can you give them about how they can raise capital Capital. I find that most of the proposals that I see to raise capital are really quite inappropriate to what the um, they, they're all about what the um, project needs, not about what the investor's looking for. Well, that's a really good point. I think that, you know you taught me 25 years ago about empathy selling, and you know which is about listening and understanding you know what the other person wants, not because they already know you want money. Let's face it, you're walking the door, you want. Money. <laughs> That's I true. already know what you want. <laughs> so that, that, that question is not up for debate. So empathy stuff is, is about understanding, all right, does this fit them? And, and, and again, mate, you taught me this, is it understand what they would want. Because if you're walking in there, then, um, you know, and knowing those answers, then you've got a better shot. And, and if it's strategically accurate, because you'll actually answer their questions before you go into the meeting with yourself, if you do that due diligence with yourself intellectually. And the other thing is, sorry, we had this discussion yesterday in Amsterdam about sponsorship, for example, and everyone was talking about sponsorship. I said, listen, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, all the big guys, everyone's going to them. They've got 400 proposals on their desk. Go to have a look at another list of which you might be unexpected. They never get asked for money or ask a, 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 you know, a proposal. And sometimes you can nugget, you know, find nuggets of gold in those, uh, those theories as well. I remember a few years ago we sold the uh, sponsorship of the um, Bicentennial Marathon, I think it was, and you were involved there, and we ended up selling it to a... Um, a plumbing supply company that happened to be having their 50th anniversary or something. It was the most <laughs> unlikely sponsor, but you couldn't get the Cokes and everyone else because, as you said, they are bombarded. Yeah, and, and you know, and again, if you think like the client, I sold a deal. One of my favourites of all time was in Australia to the egg board. No one ever went to the egg board. They thought it was boring, and they came up with a really cool idea. And all of a sudden, all these guys that sell eggs for a living were excited and animated. You know, if you can animate someone else's life and their, through their product and make it, in our case, entertaining, then it gets people excited. You know, we talked uh, about Ice Age yesterday, and I said, let's go to the Tourism Council of... Iceland, because the country's going, everyone thinks the country's broke. There's a, what better reason to sell tourism to them right now? Absolutely. All right, we've got about 30 seconds to go. Um, the final thought, what is the most important thing you need in your mind to be successful in business? It's got to be passion. It's got to be love of what you do. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, Steve Jobs, case an example, last couple of weeks, dies. You know, got a gazillion, bazillion dollars, created great, um, you know, memories for all of us, but he's dead. So you've got to love what you do. 
Okay, Linton, great to talk to you. Catch up with you soon for a beer and enjoy. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show. Coming to you this week again from Los Angeles. I wanted to um, just mention before I went that... um, I speak around the world, and I've spoken in 53 countries, and uh, recently I went to Iran and gave 10 speeches. And I must admit, I was pleasant, pleasantly surprised on a number of fronts. Um, the promoters who took me to Iran and the literally thousands of students and business people that I met were no less educated or business savvy than those I meet in the US or Germany or Australia or anywhere else. They're also extremely eager to learn Um I was, I think, the 300th expert from the West that had presented in Iran in the, in the previous six months. And all of the seminars and the workshops are absolutely packed out and packed out by almost a 50-50 mixture of men and women. I had the impression that um, it was mainly men that were getting educated, but that isn't true. The, um, uh, I spoke to um, business audiences and I spoke to MBA uh, students in a number of um, number of different cities, and you know, the, interestingly, the questions that I got from the business audiences and the student audiences were the same questions that I get uh, if I'm presenting in Germany or Florida. And you know, one thing that you that I wasn't aware of that you certainly become aware of quickly is the focus on education there. The government, despite the appearances that exist to the outside world, the government philosophy is the that the country who is the most educated will win. Um, consequently, there's this huge focus on education. I spoke at five MBA colleges across the country that had fantastic facilities with small classes and very high-intensity learning. You know, it's, it's also enthusiastic. The conference facilities where I spoke to business leaders were also high-technology, state-of-the-art, if not as good, if not better. The most of the facilities I speak at in the West, um, the hotels I stayed at were very modern and with wonderful Persian architecture. There's lots of restaurants and coffee shops and people going about their business. And everybody I spoke to said that Ahmadinejad and Khomeini don't get involved in their business. So they just sort of ignore politics. There's not much we can do about it. So it's really interesting that um, they are so eager to learn. And we need to put more investment in this country, and um, and this country is a hell of a lot better than Australia and England, but we need to put more money into educating people. And, uh, you know, every week we talk about the steps that you need to take to ensure that you're successful. Um, there's several things that you should certainly do. The first is to identify your weaknesses and attend seminars on those subjects. And there's seminars and books on every single thing that, 
every part of business. You need to get a business trainer and a good advisory board of friends or associates that have been successful in business so that you could get good advice or at least get good mentors. You know, I've been pretty successful for a long time, but I still have a number of mentors that I can take things to and bounce things off so they can help me avoid the mistakes that we can make so easily when we're in business. You know, I think we need to remember that the best athletes in the world, no matter who they are, still have coaches, strategists and trainers. And your business is no different. You know, over the first, last 40 years or so, I've worked with literally hundreds of businesses, large and small. I've worked with um, a whole bunch of athletes. I've worked with Evander Holyfield. I've worked with sports teams. I've worked with Katarina Vitt. I've worked with all sorts of people. And they all have trainers, day in, day out. And uh, in this program, we get emails from businesses all across the world. It's really critical that you get a mentor or somebody that can help you avoid the pitfalls. We haven't got much time today, but I think the reason that this program is so popular and the reason that this segment of the program is so popular that no matter where in the world you are um, or what the size of your business is or indeed what type of business you're in, we all still have exactly the same challenges. You know, It doesn't matter whether you're in retail, whether you're a plumber or a painter or you're in an auto shop. So even though I might be answering an email from an owner of a company that makes, I don't know, window frames, the answer that you get will probably be equally as appropriate in your business. The uh, first email this week is from Leo of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Leo writes, Dear Bob, thanks for your program. I came across your show a few weeks ago and I've gotten a, a lot of information from it. I've been in touch with Startup Addict, the crowdfunding group that you interviewed a couple of weeks ago. I hope it may be a way to get some funding. I've just about all exhausted all the other avenues. Is there a secret to getting investment that I don't know about? I'd appreciate your advice. Let's go. I tell you, I've knocked on, I don't know how many tens of thousands of doors on behalf of clients and whatever to, to get funds. And um, there's no question that getting investment is really difficult. Um, you know, it, it, it's a poor climate to start with, but there's so much negativity and so much uncertainty in the market and particularly in an election year. But in my experience, there's just three really simple keys. The first is you have to have a great investment plan, not a business plan, an investment plan. Keep it to a minimum number of pages. You need to cover what it is that investors want to know, which is what's the business, why is it needed, what's the size of the market, what are your management skills, how are you going to penetrate the market, the use of funds that you get, and an exit strategy, and an exit strategy that makes sense, just not some washy statement like we will be bought out or we will go to an IPO, but you need to spell that out in a lot more detail. The second key is to be really positive and enthusiastic. You know, we've had a number of VCs say on this program, I know Tim Draper and Jay Turo and a number of others all said that it's the enthusiasm that they buy. You know, you've got to be, you've got to really believe on it. They've got to believe that you'll run through brick walls um, to get it done. The third key is to be persistent. 
you've got to be prepared for a hundred knockbacks before you get a yes. You know, I know it's frustrating and I know you think this, my project is so bloody good. I can't see why people can't see it, but you know, I've knocked on doors until my knuckles have bled and, uh, you get a no, you know, you're one step closer to getting a yes. But there's, you know, you got to remember that you know, Colonel Sanders got a thousand and eight rejections before he got one restaurant to take his chicken recipe. So, you know, a thousand eight and eight and eight rejections. But look how well they've done, you know. So you got to start somewhere. Lee, I'd love to be more help, but I've got the same issues you do when looking for funding. It's tough, and I hope Startup Attic works for you. I like those guys, and um, uh, I hope that you do well out of it. A copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, my new book, is on its way to you. We, we here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show are all about helping small business to be more successful and more profitable. You know, we, we answer a lot of emails directly without reading them on air. Um, but um, there's uh, 15 keys in Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets that I've determined over the years uh, to um, that will address any business, I don't care what your business is, if you follow the 15 keys that are in the book, I guarantee you that you will be successful. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing some great quotes, great business quotes. And uh, since I only had time for one last week, we might get in a couple this week. But I'll kick off with one of my favourites, and uh, you send me yours. So if I read it on air, I'll give you a copy of Kick-Ass Marketing. For example... Marshall McLuhan says here, most of our assumptions have outlived their usefulness. And I think that is absolutely dead true. Most of our assumptions have outlived our usefulness. And one of my all-time favourites and one I often use in my speeches is um, from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said, if I had six hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend four hours sharpening the axe. How many of us really prepare for a meeting or for a project? I mean, put in two-thirds of your time in preparation. How many of you, before you go into a meeting, research who you're talking to and really think about who you're talking to and the best approach, what will interest them, how to start the conversation, how to close the deal? Unless you spend a lot of time thinking about those things, you won't succeed. And I think I've said this one before, but Jacob Broad said, consider how hard it is to change yourself. Just consider how hard it is just to change you. And you'll understand just how hard it is to change others. And I want to close off um, my quotes with Harold Wilson, former Prime Minister of England, who said, he who rejects change is the architect of decay. Now we're certainly in a time of rapid change, so take heed. You've got to change with it. You must anticipate it and embrace it. Go with it. Don't resist it. And Mark Bauer of Bristol in England sent me a quote by John Cotter. The rate of change is going to slow down anytime soon. If anything, competition in most industries will speed up considering considerably in the coming de- coming decades. That is a hundred percent true. Remember, we're here to help small business succeed. Send me your quotes. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter and Google. Go to my website, uh, bobpritchard.com, 
and sign up for my newsletter. And I will see you at the same time next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.